Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of, actually, this is where I normally say No Names All Game. But today, I'd like to welcome you to the first edition of the No Names All Game slash Utah Football <laughs> Fans Podcast Extravaganza. My Ooh. name is Chris. For the Utah fans, I'm Chris, joined here by my co-host, Pat. Pat, how you doing? Uh, great as always, but a little, little, little extra well today. You know, it's fun having guests on. I don't just have to listen to Chris talk the whole time. Um, <laughs> and not only do we get new guests, but a, a new team. And I don't mean a new team on the schedule, but just a new team for Penn State's history. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And for our Penn State listeners, we are joined by James, Gary, and Bryn. How are you guys? Doing hey, great. Doing awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for awesome. having us. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we were chatting a little bit here before we started recording. Um, I was doing some prep for a Rose Bowl episode that Pat and I were going to record. And as I started like looking at, you know, your guys' schedule and team, I realized I don't really know anything about Utah football. Um, <laughs> so I searched on Twitter for a Utah football podcast and you guys came up and here we are. Perfect. Yeah, it's okay. The feeling's very mutual, so uh, we don't know much about Penn State either. So we're we're very happy to be here too. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So we will. Uh, we have a, a bunch of Twitter questions. Thank you uh, to both of our our Twitter followers for people who wrote in, asked us some questions. Uh, we'll talk about some matchups, some strengths, weaknesses, things we think about the team. Um, we are going to start uh, with an idea that Pat had, so I'll kick it to Pat in a second. But before we get to that, uh, I am obligated to ask one question that I knew was going to be asked. One of our followers, Brandon, asked it, uh, what is a ute? <laughs> we knew that was going to come up. We just knew it. Go for it, Brandon. It's, like it's like the first question that's asked at, at any visitor. So, yeah, Brandon, why don't, why don't you handle this one for okay. us? Okay, I'll, I'll answer that one. Well, so a ute is actually a Native American Indian tribe. So oh, okay. the, the ute Indian tribe from Utah, settled here in Utah. So the University of Utah Utes, that's where it comes from. Um, and actually the university has an awesome working relationship with the Ute tribe and they do all sorts of things with the tribe throughout the year, educational opportunities, things like that. They bring the tribe to different athletic events throughout the year. We get to see them come and do such an amazing like performance and dance at least once a year at a football game and then at all the other athletic events. So a Ute is a Native American tribe. And if you want more info, you can look at uteproud.utah.edu because they've got all the info there about the relationship with the university and the tribe and the history and all of that. So there you go. That, that <laughs> is always, really cool. Always the question that we always get. And I'm glad that you... <laughs> You did pronounce it correctly because some people don't know how to say Ute. How do they say it? What do they say? Um, you get what's an what's an Udi? An Udi. Okay, that's our Oregon uh, fans right there. What's an Udi? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's really cool. That is not something I ever knew. I honestly, for most of my life, thought it was just like an abbreviation for the word Utah. Um, so that is a much cooler story. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> and what, okay, here's my question. What is a Nittany Lion? <laughs> I, I was hoping that would come back. Pat, you want to take this one? Yes. So um, right outside of Penn State's campus uh, is a mountain called Mount Nittany that used to be populated by mountain lions. And actually the last Nittany Lion is stuffed in the library. Poor thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, 
not quite as cool as yours, maybe as as far as like, <laughs> oh, we have a great we have a great relationship with the with well, the we do. tribe. We he's we, around we, all we, the time. He's around all the time. <laughs> he's he's the time. <laughs> all right, so we've got the namesakes out of the way. Um, like I mentioned, we don't really know a lot. So Pat had an idea. Pat, why don't you kick it off with uh, with your topic to start us here? Yeah. So I mean, this is a team that I think you know Penn State and Utah have never played each other. Um, I'm going to guess that neither fan bases really think about each other all that often. We're across the country from each other in different conferences. Um, and I, I feel like when, you know, other than like the huge brand names in football, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Georgias right now, teams that aren't in your conference, you just don't get to see a lot of what they do or what they're about. Um, you know, you can look at the stat sheet, um, kind of get, you know, maybe whisperings on Twitter uh, the, the vibe I'm getting from Utah is actually fairly similar to Penn State. I feel like they play good defense. Um, I feel like they're, from what I've heard, they're a very strong run-blocking team. Um, and, I mean, Cam Rising, honestly, from if you look at the stat sheet, looks like a slightly better version of Sean Clifford to me. Uh, and I, that's kind of the only uh, vibe where I'm going. They seem like a hard-nosed team. Um, I got to watch the Pac-12 championship. They play very good defense. But other than that, I don't know a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, okay. same here. Um, and and I'll actually I'm gonna I'm gonna add in one of the Twitter questions here. Um, if you guys want to cover this later, we can kick it. But uh, one from one from one of your Twitter followers um, from Wild Ute said, "Question for the Penn State <laughs> folks: In their unbiased eye, who is a comparable Power Five program nationally to Utah? Um, love to hear how other folks." Uh, in other regions, view the program, um, and and as Pat came up to this of like, what's our perception? I I, I liked that question because I um, I kind of tried to think of like, all right, who do they remind me of, or who do I think of them? Um, and we got a lot of answers on Twitter. A lot of people um, were going Wisconsin. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. people going Iowa, which makes a lot of sense for us in the Big Ten. Both teams that are you know pretty good um, have those years where they kind of break out, but you know, could be in the middle of the pack. It doesn't really surprise you either way. Um, So I think those are both good answers, but since everyone on Twitter already said that I wanted to pick another one. Um, So I actually, I I started just looking at all of the different conferences and I came up with Oklahoma state. And I don't know if this is fair, right, wrong, and different, but the way I, the reason I say this is because them like Utah is a team that I don't think about a ton, not for good or bad, just not on my radar. Um, but when they're good, when they have double digit seasons, I'm not surprised. I'm like, Oh yeah, they, they have talent. They, they could be good. They, they could put out double digit wins. Um, you know, for the PAC 12 for the last 10 years before you guys have won, you know, back to backs, congrats, by the way. Um, it's been what Oregon, Washington, USC, Stanford. Um, but Utah coming up and having this, you know, emergence doesn't surprise me. It's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and when I was looking at the big 12, that kind of did the same thing for me. Like it's been Oklahoma, Texas for a while, you know, maybe sprinkling Baylor for a year, but like when Oklahoma state has a 10 win season, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. They're, they're a good enough program. So that's kind of my perception of Utah is like, I know they're good. I know they can have those seasons of like big wins, get to the conference championship game. Um, but I don't have a ton of ton of reference outside of that. So um, would love to hear your guys' thoughts on uh, on Penn State in sort of the same vein. Cool. Well, I guess I'll start, I mean, for just kind of the introduction of like who Utah is, right? So that Penn State fans kind of know who we are and uh, it kind of, it all starts with the head coach. So Kyle Whittingham is, he's our head coach. If you don't know, he's been with Utah. He was our defensive coordinator when Urban Meyer was our coach, did the Fiesta oh, wow. Bowl. So, yeah. Um, and then he took over in 2005 and he's been the head coach ever since. So, um, you know, the Sugar Bowl year that we, we did that, 
um, the transition of the Pac-12 and then ever, everything since then, it's all been Kyle Whittingham. Um, in our opinion, he's probably the most undervalued coach in college football. Um, and where it all starts is defense. And so I think that's where, like, the Iowas, the Wisconsins, even the, the comparable to, like, Penn State, it's it starts with the defense and that's where it, it runs. Um, for a long time, it was, like, slugfest every game. I mean, Utah was – if we were winning, it was, like, 13 to 17. It was just bad. The last couple of years, though, things have kind of flipped, um, and we've got an offense all of a sudden, and, and it's it's been great. So um, that's kind of the, a quick introduction to to Utah football. I mean, it starts with Kyle Whittingham. It's tough, hard-nosed defense. They play very physical. If you watch the Pac-12 championship game, I think that was apparent. Like, they just bullied a, a team that has all the talent in the world but just out-physicaled them. So that's kind of my, my start. And Brandon Garrett, if you have anything to add, no, I agree with that. I, so Kyle Whittingham or, or Witt is what we call him, Coach Witt. As James said, so he was the, he began to be, he's the head coach from 2005 on, but the 10 years prior to that, as James said, he was the D coordinator. But the thing is, he's created quite a, a culture here, um, a, a nice family feel culture in the football program. And I think those who get into it really like it. But there's there's this continuity from year to year to year, and it's just uh, developed over the years until we've got to this position. Though we've actually been in the Pac-12 championship game, was it four of the last five years? You know, the COVID year was in there, which is yep, you know, whatever. I mean, the Pac-12 didn't really uh, handle that very well, we don't think. But anyway, we've been in there. We lost a couple times. Then we've been back to back. So, but it does start with Coach Witt. And there's just this really great culture, which though James said is is a hard-nosed type of football on both sides of the ball. The Pac-12 does have a lot of really high-powered, high-flying offenses. And it's really quite a contrast and a difference to Utah, uh, where it's it's tough on both sides of the ball. Though this year we've averaged 40 points a game. So um, there's a good balance where we can play good D and Utah is either one or two on all categories as far as defense goes in the Pac-12 anyway. And so then you add their, their, their offense being able to score. Yeah. It's been a good mix. Yeah. Yeah. That's Brent. great. I think, I think that kind of, <laughs> yeah. Brent, if you have anything to add, please. No, I don't think I have anything to add to those so we can get into more <laughs> specifics later on. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. So yeah, that, that's super helpful for us. Um, definitely confirm some of the things that we've heard, um, but would love to hear. Um, we'll give you guys kind of the same the same response on on what we think our program is, but would love to hear the outsider perspective first. What do you guys think of when you think of Penn State? The whiteout. <laughs> love that. Yeah. A good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, yeah. that's kind of the first thing I think of is the whiteout, which is awesome to see. So I'd love to experience it at some point but that's kind of my first thought i don't know i've watched penn state my whole life quite a bit on television i watched i watched the games this year against uh michigan and ohio state so i've known of the success of penn state i've always respected the program as a top-notch program and even this year i mean two losses but it's to the two and who are in the final four so yeah, I've a lot. Of, I've always had a lot of respect for Penn State. I've always felt like they've been in the mix. 
not just a you know bottom feeder, but they've always been, at least the way I've viewed it, is a top-notch program. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to echo it. Like, I just think that Penn State's just, it's the history, right? They just got a tradition, a history. Um, they're one of the first fo- football programs that kind of comes out when you're talking about the longevity. They have, you know, all the history and notoriety, national championships, all that, all that stuff that I think is a level that Utah hopes to get to. I think from what I've watched, they play a very similar brand of football. I think it's, it's defense. Um, you know, Coach Franklin, when he took over, I think he's done a great job. Um, Personnel-wise, I don't really know. Honestly, I, I know a couple of the guys. Um, you're in a similar boat to us where you've got injuries. You know, everybody does. A couple of guys opting out, that sort of a thing. But, you know, when I think of Penn State, uh, it's it's the whiteout does come to mind. It's, I think, one of, if not the best tradition in, in college football. So that's pretty cool. And then um, just a, a hard-nosed brand of football. And and I got to say, we, we did a poll earlier this year with, with – our our podcast. I not a fan of your guys's helmets. Just got to throw that out there. <laughs> I, I I it's rough. I'm not in on that. Res- I'm not in on that. I respect. I like it. the tradition. I, I like the tradition. <laughs> but can we add something? It's just white. It's just white. So yeah, I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I I'll, I'll give you that. Um, I think you know there's there's some beauty in in simplicity. But uh, we do uh, we do once a year. Uh, started a couple of years ago, we do something called the Generations of Greatness uniforms, where they add little factors of previous uniforms over the year. And one thing that I love that they do is they put a number decal on the helmet, spices it up just a little bit. Um, I'm a huge fan of that. Yes, Britt, it's, it's massive. You wow. got to see it. You got to see it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, you need to get yeah. some stickers. Get the stickers like Ohio State. What do you think about yeah. that? We've had a lot of debate uh, on that, baby. I I don't personally love them, Pat. What do you think? Uh, so I don't want Penn State to do it because it wouldn't work. But I think they're awesome. I actually, when I played football as a kid, we did them, and I loved it. Um, and I hated when I found out that it was an Ohio State thing. But, <laughs> but I, I think it does look really cool. Yeah, yeah. And Brent, to your point of like, oh, a number on the sticker <laughs> or a sticker on the helmet. It, it is funny that you say that because there's a, a – decent percent of our fan base that's like this is an outrage there's numbers on the helmets like why change anything yeah. so like we, we say it tongue-in-cheek but there are those people who are like don't change anything so <laughs> was, was there a period because you guys don't do last names right mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of a, there was a period though that you you had them and then yes. they've, they've gone they've gone away what tell me the story of that that was the guys who stayed through the scandal period yeah um yeah essentially they they were honored by like you know, you have okay. meant so much this program, keeping it together through, you know, I mean, Chris and I were both yeah. in school when it happened. It was a terrible time okay, to yeah. be a Penn Stater. So it was kind of honor them through like, you guys deserve to have your names on this jersey because you don't even get bowl games. Very cool. Okay. I didn't know that. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, so to, to kind of respond to your guys' perceptions, I think you're all pretty spot on. Um, yeah. Obviously the history, everyone knows Joe Paterno and the long history of Penn State. Um Myself and Pat, you know, I, I became a fan of Penn State when I went there for school in 2008. So, of course, I know the history of, of Joe Paterno and all of those years, but like I'm not I'm not an expert or historian. Um, but during those years, obviously, the scandal happens. Bill O'Brien comes in, kind of keeps us afloat for two years. Uh, and that's when the names on the jerseys happened. He, he honored those kids that stayed with us. We had uh, they basically made a rule. This was way before the transfer portal because of everything happening. They were like, yeah, anyone who wants to leave Penn State. Go ahead. Um, and we had people. Uh, we had Silas Red. He was a, a top 
running back ended up going to USC. Um, we had a couple other big names that left and the kids that stayed and, and Bill O'Brien, those years were, were really paramount to like keeping it afloat. And then he obviously goes to the NFL, James Franklin enters. Uh, and that's been our identity for the last, what, nine years now is, is James Franklin. Uh, the culture that he's built, he is huge on family culture. Uh, his, his meetings, it always starts with, I love you. It always ends with, I love you. He's very, very big on the family aspect. Um, and as far as who we are, it's, it's, it's kind of similar. Um, defense has been a stalwart for a while. Uh, Brent Pry was our coordinator for a very long time. Uh, he's now the head coach over at Virginia Tech. Uh, had a rough, rough first season, but we're wishing him success as he moves on. Uh, and then offensively, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, the first couple of years, uh, we had Christian Hackenberg and an offensive coordinator that didn't really know what he was doing. We we weren't really moving a lot. Uh, then you enter Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley and Mike Gesicki and a bunch of these really big playmakers with uh, Joe Moorhead as our offensive coordinator, uh, and those were what I like to call kind of the glory years right now, 2016, 2017, we were, we were finding our rhythm. We were having a lot of fun. Um, uh, he is now the head coach at Akron, I think. Is that right, Pat? Um, and now, now we're, we're, you know, the last couple of years, we, we've had some troubles. We, we had two years in a row, uh, the COVID year and, and the year before where um, just weren't good. You know, we had a seven and five year. We had a, what was it? Five and six year, the COVID year or something like that. Um, Four and things five. were, Four and five. There you go. Even worse. No. Um, <laughs> things, things, so things, things were not very good. Uh, so the, coming into this year, um, a lot of people had it as, you know, this is a rebuilding year. Uh, we're mm. in the fif- 15th year of Sean Clifford's career. Um, we, we don't really know what to expect. Uh, so, so to come out of this season 10 and 2 heading to the Rose Bowl, um, is really a testament to, I think, Franklin and what he's built and kind of getting the young talent on the field and persevering. And I'm rambling. Pat, what do you have to add? Yeah, um, I, I think when you think about Penn State right now, like what Utah should focus on is kind of like the Sean Clifford era, uh, which has been the past four years. But I, I, you could kind of describe as a bit of like a turd sandwich on some nice bread. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just two bad years in the middle there. That's good. Some nice bookends. Um and yeah, this is a Penn State fan base that I think almost unanimously was thinking somewhere between seven and five and nine and three to come out of this season. Um, and so and they very, we very unexpectedly came out 10 and two in the Rose Bowl, even bigger surprise. Uh, but there's a little bit of frustration there because we have zero ranked wins. Um, we got beat badly by Michigan. And quite frankly, most of the fan base feels like we should have won that Ohio State game. I mean, it's a game we were winning in the fourth quarter with about eight minutes left and then it just got away yeah um so it's an odd mixture of i i guess you know happiness and frustration um and it i will say this is a bit of like a not your grandfather's penn state team it's not like as great as the defense is it's different than i think the traditional joe paterno defense it's it's a fast defense manny Mm -hmm. diaz is sending people all the time he's creating pressure through blitzes um, it's a defense. It's an and it's an offense that wants to be very explosive, but can't find that consistently. Uh, the passing game is good at times. At times, it disappears. Um, the offensive line is better than it has been in a long time, but far from being elite. Are you confident in Clifford? How would you How would you say you feel about him? <laughs> a- ask Ask me possession to possession. <laughs> I was going to say, is it quarter Is it quarter to quarter or possession to possession? Because we've been there. We know that. We know that pain. So yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. You look at him on the stat sheet. He's pretty good. Um, like one of the things I've I've been 
you look at Penn State's schedule, and you, if there's more than three quarterbacks Penn State played that they'd rather have than Sean Clifford, I think you're lying as a fan, to be honest. Um, but he, he's inconsistent. It, you know, when he's bad, it's, it's frustrating. Um, it's ugly. And quite frankly, it's not what you expect out of a guy who's been in the program for six years, four of them as a starter. Yeah, it's uh, okay. Pat. Pat and I have been kind of on opposite ends of this this year. Uh, Pat as the the Sean defender, me as the vocal, like, "Hey, I love you. You've done a ton for this program, but I'm ready to move on." Um, I think. <laughs> what is it? Five years? Has he been five years? Has he been there five years? Six. Oh, geez. Uh, okay. Yeah. Six. Yeah, because of the COVID year, he had an extra oh, year of right. eligibility, so came Jeez. back this year. Uh, four of them as a starter. So uh, our he, he first played our, for for four. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played he four as a starter, um, or yeah, four as a starter, and I think he had one the his freshman year. He had like a couple of passes, um, but I think it's I think it's just for a lot of us who are on the side of like ready to move on, ready to get over it. It's just fatigue. Like I don't hate Sean Clifford. I, yeah. I I think there's a ton of moments that he's made me very happy, and he's done really good things. It's just we've seen the inconsistencies, we've seen the struggles. Um, so it's been it's been kind of tough. Uh, and we actually have a Twitter question uh, that pertains to this. So I'll, I'll pop it in here. This is from one of our one of our followers, uh, Saquon Kendall said, "Does Cam Rising have a love hate relationship uh, with Utah the way Penn State fans do with Clifford? Uh, high level, they're similar when they seem like great leaders, but maybe haven't gotten their teams over the hump before these." Pac-12 championships, of course. Um, what's your guys' relationship with with Cam Rising? <laughs> I think I think we love him. Um, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a small portion of the fan base. I mean, you, you guys get it, right? Like the very passionate fan bases, right? Where you lose a game and it's it's burn the whole system to the ground, right? There's there is that portion. So you know, we we lost to Florida earlier this year in a game where we all felt like we should have won, and you know, on the last possession, Cam threw an interception. Um, and it was like, who's the backup? Pull Cam, he's terrible, right? And 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 then all of a sudden we go on this winning streak. And then at the end of the season, we lose to Oregon. And same thing, right? This team goes how Cam Rising goes. I mean, if if, the, if Cam's going, it, this team is virtually unstoppable in a lot of ways. I think the vast majority of, of Utah fans, though, love him. Um, he is a gamer. He, Coach Whittingham has said that he's the most competitive guy he's ever been around, you know, and Whittingham's been in locker rooms with, you know, Urban Meyer teams and Sugar Bowl champion teams and some of these, you know, teams for the last 20 plus years and Cam Rising's the most competitive guy he's ever been around, which is really saying something. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I love him. I, I, he's potentially coming back next year. There's rumblings. We don't really know. He has another year of eligibility. We're, We'll say it this way. We're all praying that he comes back. That's that's probably the best way of saying it. We're all, you know, doing our best to to urge him to come back. Yeah, I would agree with I would agree with James. I think majority of you fans and I think the three of us really like Cam. What people may not know this year that don't follow Utah football is he got hurt in the first USC game. Uh so when we played Washington State the following week, you know, a half hour before game, he just couldn't go. And so he missed the Washington State game, and then he just wasn't – then he played, I think, the next game he came in. Yeah. But he wasn't full steam, and you could tell. He was – he just wasn't the same guy. So he he's incrementally got better right up until the championship game, and it almost feels like he's back to where he normally is because Cam – Cam Rising, I think he ended up ninth in the QBR nationally. 
Oh, wow. Uh, and I, until he got hurt, he was like, I don't know, four or five all the time. But then he got hurt and his numbers and stuff went down. But Cam's actually a dual threat guy. Is he can throw, but one of his greatest assets is he can run the ball. And he'll run. He's not crazy. He's not one of those guys that runs all the time. But he'll he'll make a play with his legs that is critical. So, I don't know. Cam, yeah, James is right. Everything's going to really go through him. But I think he's got the support of the fan base. We kind of tr- trust him. He's, he's great. I mean, one of the things about Cam is not just his talent, but his attitude. He's one of the most, like, positive, uplifting guys you'll see on the team. And like James said, everyone kind of feeds off of that. And like when you watched the championship game and he took that hit where his head got blown off, yeah, he gets up, you know, he gets up and he's, he's smiling. And even the announcer said, they're like, is he smiling? That's just Cam. Like he has so much joy when he's playing football and that really has, it like bleeds down into the rest of the team and to the fan base. Like, He's a really hard dude to not like, I feel like. Of course, there's going to be some fans. There always are. But he's a very likable guy. And we really hope he's coming back. <laughs> peace, peace. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really interesting because I think, um, and I won't spend forever on this because Pat and I have talked about Sean Clifford for decades at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think it's, it's similar in the sense to us where even, even myself, someone as someone who's kind of ready to move on. Um, and, and for those that aren't super familiar with Penn state, the reason we're ready to move on uh, is we have a guy named Drew Aller, who's a true freshman. Uh, he was a five-star. He was the number one rated quarterback in the country last year. Um, coming out of high school, we, we found him when he was like a three-star early in his, his high school career started developing. He ends up becoming the number one quarterback and we were able to hold on to mm-hmm. him. We have not had that in a long time. Um, the last time we had a really top quarterback was Christian Hackenberg. And, you know, for as much as we love him too, the wins didn't really correlate. So there's a lot of us ready to like move on to like the Prince that was promised in this future five stars. So I think that's where the frustration comes from. Um, but to Clifford's, to Clifford's credit, I mean, the kid is an absolute gamer. He is, he is tough as hell. He has left his body on the field for Penn State over the last couple of years. Um, last year, one of our biggest problems was we, we were kind of cruising. And then in the Iowa game, he gets hurt and we have to put in a backup who has never seen the field before. We lose and we start kind of falling into this skid. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, he's been mostly healthy. Um, we've been able to get the young kids some, some developmental reps at the end of games. Uh, and for Clifford, he, he's been able to kind of um, – as frustrating as, as times have been, he's been able to to manage games a little bit more. Um, and Pat, you can you can put your thoughts on top of this, but we we have a running game this year for the first time in the last I don't know five years or so. Um, it, it, it helps a lot to the point where the last two years it felt like Sean was trying to do everything. He would scramble as soon as the pocket collapsed. He would get kind of happy feed. He would move around, and and it was really frustrating. I think this year we saw, and, and last year before he got hurt. We've seen a different version of him, and and we've seen sort of what he's capable of. Um, but Pat, I know you're a you're a you're a pro Sean fan. Uh, what's your <laughs> what's what, what's what's your hope for Sean in his last Penn State game here, Pat? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, th- there's been a lot of talk this season about Sean became the program leader in uh, completions, yards, and touchdowns, which a lot of people solely attributed to him being you know in the program for so long. What they like to ignore is he's actually the program leader in completion percentage too. So he's a good quarterback. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, at the end of the day, he is a limited quarterback. Um, his pocket presence is not always great. 
Um, and he just does not throw an accurate deep ball at the end of the day. It's not his strength. It never has been. There's been flashes of it getting better this year, but it's, it's just not, it hasn't been there throughout his career. Um, but yeah, like Chris mentioned this year, he actually has a good running game to lean back on. Whereas the, you know, the, the two years in the sandwich that I mentioned, it was like he was being asked to beat the entire offense. And he's just, he's not that guy. He's a good college football quarterback. He's not elite. He's not, you know, he, he's not a game changer. He can win you a game, but he's not, he can't win you a national championship. Is now, Chad a, Powers, is, hey, is Chad Powers going to suit up? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I sure <laughs> hope so, man. We, we could use that. Think fast, run fast. Think fast, run fast. Think fast, run fast. That was great. That was that was that the was, best, that was man. Great. Yeah, was yeah. Classic. I love, I, love I kind of love that Eli is like loosely associated to Penn State now. Yeah. Like, I know. Uh, I don't, they they had Keegan Michael Key on on the Manning cast uh, the other mm-hmm. night, Monday Night Football, and they were talking about how he does a James Franklin impression. And it's like, yeah, we got a couple of Penn State football legends right here: Chad Powers and uh, James Franklin <laughs> yeah. impersonator. So. Oh. Um, all right, so we have a we have a bunch of other Twitter questions. Um, I think we'll kind of sprinkle them in as we go. Um, but let's let's talk about this game a little bit. Um, you know, this is this is the last true Rose Bowl. Um, you know, between yeah. Big Ten and, and Pac-12. Next year it'll be a playoff site, and then we move into a 12-team playoff. So um, I don't know about you guys. I think that's kind of cool. I think that means a little bit more um, yeah. for for us for our history. Um, there was a question from from one of your. <laughs> Uh, from one of your yeah. Twitter followers, uh, Mark said, how big is this Rose Bowl game to the team and fans of PSU? Uh, with their storied program, are they as excited as Utah is being relatively new for us? Um, I know Pat's excited because he lives in L.A., but Pat, <laughs> take, <laughs> taking that part out of it, <laughs> nice. uh, how would you answer that question? Uh, do you think Penn State, as, as, as a fandom, is excited about the Rose Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a trend of the last several years where like bowl games don't mean as much, which... Personally, I think it's silly, um, but I think this year it's going to mean more to Penn State fans than in years past, not only because is it the Rose Bowl, but this is Penn State's last chance at a ranked win for the season. Like, are we 10-2 and two because we played 10 mediocre teams, or are we 10-2 and two because we're good? And this is, you know, there's always going to be question marks with opt-outs and injuries at the end of the season, but, like, it's a chance for Penn State to show that they are for real, like beating a legitimate team in Utah a Utah team that embarrassed USC. Like, you win that game, it's hard to deny that you are a quality team. Yeah, yeah, yeah agreed. I think I think it's – it's. I mean, it's the Rose Bowl. It's the granddaddy of them all, right? It, it's very fun. And, and for – and I kind of – I looked it up because I wasn't as familiar, um, you know, in, in the however many years it existed. Uh, Penn State's only been there four times. Um, so we were there in 1923, which was first actually the one. first one. First one played in the Rose Bowl Stadium. Uh, I think, oh, I think cool. the game – the game existed a couple years before that, but that was the first one in the Rose Bowl Stadium. Uh, we lost to USC 14 to three. Not great. Uh, um, we were there in 1995, got a win, and then we were there in 2009. We lost to USC. 2017, we lost to USC. Uh, so we're one. I and remember three that game. Wasn't history. that a high scoring game? It the, was. The, the it was la- 52 to 49. That was unbelievable that was, game. I was there. I I was, was there sad. for that, that one. Great. Wow. Even even as a loss, I still think it's the best college football mm-hmm. game I've ever been to. Um, in, interruption question: Are any of you guys going to the game? Anyone going to the Rose Bowl? Yeah, we're going. Yeah, amazing. We're going to be there. Amazing. Uh, it's what's your you go what's look? your fan base like? I mean, well, as far as traveling, it, it's across the entire country. 
right? So outside yeah. of those lucky ones who live in LA and just get to drive down the street and sleep in their own bed, you know, Utah, it's about a 12 hour ish drive. So we got a lot of people going. What What is your feel from your fan base as far as buying tickets and going? I, I think it's going to be an incredible showing. Um, I was there in 2017 and we were playing USC. I mean, that's a home game for them. And the crowd was split pretty 50-50, honestly, cool. um, which I did not expect. I was like, oh, it's going to be it's going to be flooded with Trojan fans. Like we're going to be the minority and like Penn State just travels. Um, I went to a game way back when, when we had our bowl ban. Bill O'Brien uh, set up a game for us in Ireland. I went over there for that. Flooded. Dublin flooded with Penn State fans. Um, so we travel very well. I would expect Utah to, to do the same, um, being, you know, semi-close, I think. Um, I think this will be a – personally, I think this will be a good matchup where both fan bases are really well represented. Yeah, I would expect exciting. this one to be a pretty much a 50-50 split. Uh, like here's a good example. I, a friend of mine, their parents, they're, they're a big Penn state family. They were just out here two weeks ago. They're coming again for the Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That's dedication. <laughs> yeah. That is. Yeah. I mean, we went, we were there last year, the three of us, we were there when we played Ohio state last year. And nice. I would say it was probably, it was hard to tell because the colors were almost identical. So visually it was hard to tell, but it felt almost 70, 30 Utah kind of in that, so I didn't know if that was expect, but I do know Penn State, they travel, right? So it would be it would be awesome if it was 50-50, if it was split and half of it was red, half of it was blue. I think that would be a that would be an incredible atmosphere. It'd be the first time all year they've filled the Rose Bowl little shot <laughs> yeah. at UCLA there. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Speaking speaking of uh speaking of colors, the Rose Bowl uh Twitter account tweeted out earlier today you guys be will be wearing red uh Penn State wearing white um with with just kind of a simple rose logo a little bit yeah. different from years past uh I kind of love that what do you guys think I like it I like the simplicity of it I yeah. don't want to be so big and massive I, I like the simplicity of it. it looks cool to me yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're wearing our reds that's like our classic uniform that's my favorite uniform is when we go all red so mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be a cool visual, I think, on the field, hopefully. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And I'm with you. Um, I, like the rose, I think the rose just looks really good. If you haven't seen it, uh, I'm sure we retweeted. I'm sure you guys have too, but it's just yep. a very simple rose. And it's not too big. It's not the Alamo Bowl where it's like, you know, an entire shoulder piece or anything <laughs> like that. It just, it looks, it looks clean. So I'm excited. It, it'll be, it'll look really pretty. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, cool. So let's pivot into to some specifics for this game. You mentioned earlier, uh, James, there's some opt-outs, there's some injuries. Um, as of right now, seems kind of even. Uh, we have two guys out. You guys have two guys out. Very similar mm-hmm. impacts as far as, you know, all-American cornerbacks and, and leading receivers. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, Clark Phillips third and, and Dalton Kincaid um, and, and what losing them means for this game. Who wants to take it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been dominating. I mean, I'm happy to, to answer it. I, you know, yeah, we've had two guys opt out. Um, we're hoping that's kind of the end of it. Those were, those were kind of the ones that we were holding our breath on, right? We didn't know, but we kind of expected. Kincaid, um, in our opinion, is the, the best tight end in the country. Um, his opt out's a little different. Yes, he's going to go to the NFL, but he's been banged up. Um, right. He only caught, I believe it was four passes in the in the championship game for 80 yards. They were big, big catches, but he'd been banged up, so he's opted out. Clark Phillips, who is an All-American cornerback, projected first-round draft pick, 
he opted out as well this last week. That one was a little bit more like we were holding our breath, like, hey, can, will, will he stay on? You know, because last year we had guys who went in the first round and they played in the Rose Bowl. So we were hoping that would be a similar situation. Tremendous corner, um, one of the best in the country. You know, he'll be a first-round draft pick. Outside of that, that's about it. Um, everything else, it, as far as we know, everyone should be healthy and, 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 and going. So what about you guys? Well, well, let me just say that the interesting thing, we do have – actually, our leading rusher is Tavion Thomas. But he – he, it's been a rough year for him for a number of reasons, but he didn't even play in the championship game. He he opted out and said he's preparing for the NFL or whatever. Mm. So he hasn't really been a huge factor, though. He was still our leading rusher through the year, so he's not going to be playing. And then these two, hopefully no one else does. But the interesting thing with uh, Kincaid, we started the season with uh, Brent Ke- uh, Keithy. He was our number one projected, I think, All-American, and then he got hurt. And so Kincaid has just picked up and just been so. Then he became a third, third team All American. Uh, so oh, wow. yeah. So now we're on our third tight end, who's a ex rugby player or something like that. But he's you know he's very aggressive. Uh, he had a big play. He had a big play in the championship game. So hopefully he can pick, you know, pick up. But yeah, losing Clark Phillips, you know, no one threw to his way. Most of the time, no one threw his way. Even USC tried to. Def- couple of times but he's he is what he is and he's great so it'll be a factor but as a as of right now that's where we're at I feel like something to note with Utah I mean we've talked about it we are such a defensive team our defense is extremely young this year majority are freshmen and sophomores we lost a ton of dudes to the NFL last year and so Mm -hmm. Clark Phillips really was the anchor guy for defense. And we've got other guys who are juniors and have the experience, but majority of them are freshmen and sophomores. Now they start off the season a little bit shaky. They've really come into their own. I think you could see that at the championship game, but the loss of Phillips, I mean, it's going to have an impact because again, like Gary said, nobody would throw in his direction because he would make the play. So it's going to open things up a little bit, but Hopefully our young defenders can step up and fill that position. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that's kind of similar for us. Um, and I'll let Pat talk about our guys in a second. Um, I was actually surprised. Uh, so like I mentioned, I didn't know a lot about Utah, but first time I really heard about Dalton Kincaid was when the finalists came out for the Mackey award and a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, college football experts were like, how is he not, <laughs> how is he not even invited? Like you look at his numbers yeah. I mean, 70 receptions, 890 yards, eight touchdowns. That's a big part of your guys' offense. Um, do you feel like there is, you know, another playmaker, whether it be a wide receiver or someone that can kind of, you know, you can't you can't replace that obviously in one game, but is there someone else that you feel fills that role or does it change how you run your offense? What what impact does that have? I don't You know, as Gary uh, mentioned, oh go ahead. I, I've been talking a ton, so go ahead. No, go, but what I was just gonna say, I don't think they're gonna it's gonna change the offense. We'll run what we're going to run. And it's, we don't have our whole offense is we don't like have one guy, like one receiver and one running back. And those are the two guys you got to focus on. It is really is a committee most of the time, though there's always a a few guys that are the main guys, but they're not like some teams. It's just one guy and you're going to ride them. Uh, And that's in the championship game. That's what, what it was is Kincaid. He's been, he was playing hurt. 
like James said, he had just a series at the end of the first half that was the, you know, he made some big plays, but he was really not a factor after that. And then, so Yasmin is his name, the other tight end. He's just going to have to step up. I think they're going to use him just like they've used Kincaid. And as far as our receivers go, it's just a committee of guys. And hopefully who's ever hot on that, you know, hopefully at the Rose Bowl, the ball will get to him. Um, Yeah. I don't think they're going to change a thing. I think we'll just play it how we play it. You guys are going to have to step up. I mean, that's kind of one of the mantras of of Coach Witt. Yeah, next man up, right? Um, I know it's a cliche, but um, that's hopefully you have depth. That's what they're supposed to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I mentioned, as of now for us, uh, it's two guys as well. It's Joey Porter Jr., uh, who's similar to Clark Phillips, is an All-American corner projected first round uh and then parker washington who is our leading wide receiver uh in yards and catches at least not not a ton of touchdowns but in yards and catches uh he suffered an injury towards the end of the season he missed the last couple of games uh, and he actually just declared for the nfl draft as well so um pat why don't you give the utah fans a little bit of insight onto what missing these guys uh is going to mean for us yeah i mean it's always tough to replace a joey porter jr um, I think when it comes to Penn State, it's not so much the high-end talent that they can't reproduce there because they have Kalen King as their second cornerback who's been really excellent, is a guy who coaches think like in a year or two could be better than Joey Porter Jr. Um, but you know, it's then you get to your third cornerback, and we've got right now probably Johnny Dixon, who's been a nice surprise um, and has been good, but you know, it's it's different than having two top top end corners on the field at all times with the third guy rotating in and out. Um, But I I still think Penn state's pass defense is going to be pretty close to elite without Joey Porter jr. Out there. Uh, Parker Washington is, I think is a bit of a tougher blow for Penn state to swallow. Um, You know, Mitch Tinsley has been very good, but it's tough to operate in an explosive offense with one legitimate threat at wide receiver. Um, Keandre Lambert-Smith had a good last game of the season. Uh, he's a guy that Penn State fans have been waiting to break out since he's come out, come here for the past two years. Um, and you, you kind of hope that that was, that was the precursor to that happening. He did some things, getting to the ball and being physical, you hadn't seen from him before this. And so as a fan base, you got to hope that, you know, that is, that, that's the tone for the rest of his career. Um, outside of that, it's, it's also Olu Fashano. Uh, their starting left tackle guy who decided to come back this year, but was a projected first round pick. Um, not he's been hurt for the past few games. Not sure if he's playing in the bowl game or not. It's very unclear. James Franklin likes to play that tight to the chest. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Penn State is is sneakily banged up, man. You know, their starting left guard from the season is out. Um, it's just it. It's it's been it's been kind of like um, low-profile injuries, but I think overall they're in a pretty good place going into a bowl game compared to most teams in the country in terms of guys actually playing. So let me yeah. ask, let me ask, let me ask you this. Uh, so this is in the Pac-12. So Utah defensively uh, was number one against the rush and number two against the pass. So their defense is good. What – what would be your what would you say your the strength of Penn State is as far as offensively is it well is it the passing game the rushing game or is it just the balance between both because Utah's D has been pretty good since midseason anyway 
to where they're one and two in those categories. So what would what can we look at would be the biggest threat for us or their defense? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind, I mentioned it earlier, is we have a running game. For the first time in a long time, the last couple of years really struggled. Uh, And this year we have two true freshmen in Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Uh, Nick was the number one running back in the country, Pennsylvania guy. We were very happy to keep him. Uh, Katron was a four-star guy who we expected, expected to be good, don't think we expected to be this good this quick. Uh, both of those guys had a thousand plus scrimmage yards uh, this season. Wow. Nick had, I believe Nick had 12 touchdowns uh, and Katron had 10. Um, so those two guys combined have wow. given our offense a spark that we just lost for a couple of years. I mean, really you look back to like Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders era of running backs after that, you know, we had a flash in the pan with journey Brown. He had, he had a couple of really nice moments, but then had to retire for some medical issues. Uh, and then it was just really, whether it was the running backs themselves, whether it was the offensive line, I, you know, we don't need to get into that, but it, it really slowed down. Uh, these two kids came in this year and just took us, took us by storm. Uh, the, you know, the first couple games of the year, uh, you know, the Auburn game, the Ohio game, uh, Nick Singleton's breaking off like 70 yard touchdown runs. And you're like, Holy crap, this kid is good. Um, and then Katron Allen comes on through the year and he's more of So Nick is more of the fast breakaway. He'll get to the edge and just beat you. Uh, Katron's a guy who will run through the tackles and run over you. So it's really like a nice little thunder lightning combo. Um, that, like I said, has taken some pressure off of Sean Clifford made the passing game a little bit easier to, to, to navigate, um, when we don't have, you know, say a superstar at wide receiver, you know, in past years, last year was Jahan Dotson. He was a first round pick, uh, really, really good before that KJ Hamler before that Chris Godwin. And, you know, there's a lot of wide receivers that we've We've seen where it's like, that's the guy you can throw it up and and he's going to get it. Um, This year, Pat mentioned Parker Washington was very good. Mitchell Tinsley was very good, but we didn't really have that like super dynamic passing offense. Um, I think Brenton Strange, our tight end, was was probably one of our most dangerous weapons in the passing game. But I think to answer your question, and Pat, you can add on here, I think it's the running game that, that has really put us over the top this year. Yeah, if I have to lean one way, I I would lean towards the running game. But I think it is the balance that makes Penn State dangerous. You know, they they average about 180 yards a game on the ground, which is very good. But it's not something you look at and go like, oh, my God, how are we going to stop that? Um, Same thing in the passing game. It's about 250 a game. It's good, but you're not going, you know, oh, my. Um, Yeah. But, you know, if, if, if they can get both of those things firing, it's very difficult to defend both at once. But if you can totally shut down one of them, it does get very difficult for them to move the ball. Yeah. And you'll see some three and outs and things like that. Cool. Yeah, yeah I think that. Go, Go ahead, Gary. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the Pac-12, I mean, every league is sort of this way, but the Pac-12 definitely has some wide open offenses. And, of course, last year when we played in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, their offense was out of its mind. You know, they were throwing the ball all over the, all over the field. So this this will be this will be a different play for for us, particularly from last year. And um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Oregon State is is not as good as Penn State, but they play more this. I think the style of play, at least it sounds like to me, that Penn State does. Penn State and Utah, it just appears to me, has a very similar philosophy offensively. Um, yeah, that balance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Um, 
that was uh, another question we have here from one of your followers, Jake L. Uh, said, how well do you think these teams match up? What will be Penn State's biggest mismatch? And what do you think Utah's will be? So uh, I'll ask to you guys, do you think there's an area where you feel like you have a very clear advantage, a mismatch that you'll be kind of relying on? Um, is, is there anything that that you're looking at as like, this is our key to, to really putting on a great performance? It's I'll, hard. I'll, I don't I'll know throw your, in. your team. Go, go James, go. I was going to say, it, it, it's challenging, right? When you look talk about mismatches, right? You look at, hey, what's their defensive line versus offensive line? All those different those different categories. It's hard because, you know, we don't really know your team all that much. From what you're saying, it's very similar. Like, we're a very – we run the ball to set up the pass. As the season's gone on, we've had some wide receivers step up. Um, uh, Jalen Dixon, number 25, you'll see him. Fast, speedy guy. Um, another guy, Money Parks. Yeah, his name's Money. It's pretty awesome. Um, he's kind of starting to come on as the season. Yeah, and he's starting to flash, right? He's kind of a young guy. He's starting to flash. Um, we use the tight ends a ton. So, um, you know, Yasmin, Gary mentioned earlier, though, with the with the run game, Pavion Thomas was the guy. And last year, he was he was a huge part of the offense. This year, it, it kind of slid off. He's no longer with the program. He's going to the NFL, hopefully. So what's happened is there's a, a guy, Makai um, Bernard. Uh, he's been with the program for a few years. But he really is kind of the pass-catching, you know, he's kind of that third-down sort of a style running back. Number three you'll see um, step in is Jaquindon Jackson. He started off the year at Utah as our backup slash third-string quarterback. So he was a quarterback to start the season, and he has now come in and really taken over that kind of power run running back position, which has been – we've needed it, and thankfully he's kind of stepped in for there. So – it's really funny. It sounds like we're going to be very similar, right? You run the ball to set up the pass. You kind of question who's going to be the pass catcher to, to make the big play. If you can run the ball and establish it. So it, it they're very mirror image teams, which I, I think will make for a very interesting, interesting game in my opinion. Yeah, I have, I actually have a follow-up on that based on kind of how you're talking about your offense. Um, something Pat and I have talked about for, for many years with, with Penn State's defense, especially under Brent Pry in the past, uh, our identity was Ben, don't break, right? We would let up some plays here and there. We'd let up some big things, but we would close the door in the red zone, uh, you know, not let up as many touchdowns. This is Manny Diaz's first year as defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Pat said, he's a little bit more aggressive. Um, we have a lot of youth on this defense. We, we've seen the emergence of some really, really talented young young guys, uh, Abdul Carter wearing number 11, which is very prestigious to Penn State football. That was Micah Parsons and LeVar Arrington mm. and some other greats. Um, oh, wow. he's, a, he's a true freshman and led the team in sacks, uh, was up there in tackles, plays like like he's a chicken with his head cut off, just running around making plays. It's really, <laughs> really fun. Um, but with that youth comes some of that same Ben don't break. Uh, so I was just I was sorry if my eyes were darting. I was looking at the stats. Um, Scoring defense, uh, we finished the year um, top 10. I think we're, we're tied for ninth or 10th, letting up 18 points a game. Um, and, you, you know, you factor in Michigan and Ohio State, that's a 41 and a 44. You know, tough games to kind of add to that number, but it is what it is. Um, but when you look at the red zone defense, that's kind of really where we thrive. Uh, we finished number seven in the country, uh, allowing conversions 71% of the time. Uh, mostly field goals, seven touchdowns, 11 field goals. So I guess my question to you is with your offense and, and some of the things that you've mentioned, um, do you think you're going to be looking at more of like 
methodic drives kind of trying to beat us down and, and convert once you get to that red zone? Are there more of the explosive plays where, you know, you're going to try to beat, you know, the man on man or the, or the, the deep zone where, where do you think you might be able to take advantage of a bend don't break style defense? Well, we're, we're typically not big play. It's a big play offense. I know in the championship game, we had some massive yeah. plays, <laughs> uh, which we were loving, but yeah. that's not the typical style. That hasn't been typical the whole okay. year. You want to have more of that. We wish we did, but it just isn't that way. Uh, yeah, you, we have them, but it's some teams, you know, every drive they have a 40-yard play, I mean, it feels like. so. But that's not Utah style typically. It's, it's more, you know, control the clock, move the ball. Um, it just sounds like the red zone's going to matter, you know, get to the red zone. And, and honestly, our kicking game has been marginal this okay. year. At best. And so that's, that is, I got to say, <laughs> that is a worry for, for me anyway. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where we've got into the red zone or close to it, like the 25 or something, and we've gone for it instead of maybe would have kicked. Wow. It's Okay. So we've – We've had, you know, some goods come out of it and some bad has come out of it. So, you know, I don't know, honestly, I don't know offhand what our stats are in the red zone. I'd have to look that up. I don't know what it is. It, it feels like, I don't know. I mean, I can think of some games where it hurt us. We didn't score when we should have. And then other games we did really well, you know, like six out of six, stuff like that. But I don't know over the season what it is, unless one of you guys know. I have no idea. No, I don't know. But, I, yeah, I didn't know that. I mean – that bend don't break mentality, right? You kind of give up between the twenties. And then once it gets inside that 20, you hold into a field goal. That's considered a win. As the season has progressed, Utah have gotten significantly better. I don't know the exact statistics. I was actually looking at them the other day to start the season. I mentioned the Florida game, right? Like we had a couple of opportunities within the three yard line to punch it in. Couldn't do it any, any time and ended up losing the game by three points. So that has been a focus ever since that and it's gotten progressively better um but you're right i mean we hit the 25 yard line it's fourth and four that should be a guaranteed kick a field goal go off you get three points that has been a concern and could be a factor in this game if you know we get to the you know 13 yard line but are we sure about the kicker i don't know that could definitely play a factor in this game yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, uh, I'm looking up the stats right now. So uh, Utah is 82% uh, red zone conversion on the year. Uh, 20, uh, let's see, 20 pass touchdowns, 30 rush touchdowns, eight field goals. So it looks like when you guys are getting there, you're punching it in pretty good. Uh, and 70 red zone attempts, that seems a lot. Uh, so it seems like, you're get- <laughs> seems like you're getting there pretty often. Um, you know, when I was looking at red zone defense, uh, I think, you know, we had far fewer times that, that we've let the opponents get there. So I think that'll be really interesting. Yeah. yeah we, we've, we've given up, yeah. uh, we we've had 39 attempts in the red zone, you know, where we've allowed 10 rushing touchdowns, seven pass and 11 field goals. So, um, wow. Yeah, that's, I, I maybe I should have done some research before we started this. I could have had that <laughs> off hands. I could have had that ready. Uh, but yeah, that, that maybe is a little bit of a key to the game. So um, I've been, uh, I've been rambling and talking a whole lot. Um, do you guys have any questions, any thoughts, anything you want to, you want to discuss? I apologize. I, I tend to do this. Pat has to suffer with me <laughs> most, most weeks, but I would love to hear what's on your mind. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe we've answered this, but what do you think is the key 
for Penn State to win? Is it a player? Is it, you know, is the offense well stupid? But is there a particular? Yeah, what's the factor? What for you yeah. to, to win the game? It has to that, happen. You think to win to be um, taken away? So I mean, I think it's gonna. Like, the, it, it, it's hard to put this in the right way, but I think, like, what worries me the most, I think if Penn State plays good in the trenches, I think they can win this game. Um, I think on the back end, just, not that I know a ton about Utah's back end, I think Penn State's top top tier back end of their defense. Um, and so, and, and Utah really worries me up front on both sides. Uh, you're talking about a line that I think's only given up, like, nine sacks all year. Um, yeah. And Penn State likes to get to the quarterback, man. So like, you know, if, if they can't do that, it's going to be, it could be a long day. Um, but I, you know, I think if Penn State gets pressure in Cam Rising's face, um, and I think if they can stop Sean Clifford from being constantly under fire, I think things tilt towards Penn State. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I think I think getting to the quarterback has been been so clutch for us. Um, I mean, I think it was the Maryland game. Everyone was telling us to watch out for Talia Tungavailoa, and you know he might he might surprise us and he might upset us. <laughs> and we sacked him like three times in the first like I don't know fifteen minutes of the game or something like that. And we were just nonstop relentless. And he had you know one of his worst performances uh, of the game. Not to compare Maryland to Utah. I think Utah's a far better program, but just to kind of give give you an example of of when we're at our best, we are getting to the quarterback and really disrupting. Um, Pat said before, I, I have a ton of faith in our secondary, uh, even without Joey Porter Jr. We missed him for a couple of weeks this year. Uh, he actually had appendicitis uh, and came back like a week and a half later, which wow. blows my mind, blows my mind how these athletes do that. Um, but for the, I think it was two games that we missed him. Um, you know, the, the defense stepped up and, and our secondary still looked pretty good, but you know, to Pat's point, if, if, if Cam rising has time back there and he's able to, you know, really analyze the field, go through the reads, a secondary as good as they are can only hold up for so long. So I think, I think pressure is key. Um, and then for, for Clifford on the other side of it, I'll, 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 hammer this is super obvious but it has to be limited turnovers like one or one or less turnovers um that's that's what kind of killed the ohio state game for us we were mm-hmm. leading we were leading in the fourth quarter you know everyone wants to look at it and be like oh they let up 44 points the defense must have sucked we held ohio state to 16 through three quarters and at the time they're averaging 50 the defense was playing lights out uh and then we have a couple really unfortunate plays where you know, blame it on Clifford, blame it on the Ohio State D end having the game of his life. But there was, you know, three inter- three interceptions and a fumble recovery uh, all out of his hand that that ruined the game. So I think that's the key for me is is protect the ball and and don't don't beat ourselves. Um, but I'll ask that same question to you. What's the what's the key for Utah? Um, I didn't mention this at the top. I don't know if you guys are, are gambling folk, but I love gambling. <laughs> uh, I always look at the always look at the lines. Right now, Utah is a two point favorite uh, with the over under at fifty two. So they're expecting a pretty close game. Uh, what do you guys think the key is for you guys to to win and and maybe cover that two points for for the degenerates like myself out there? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Brand? Yeah, Brand, give us your your thoughts. We've been we've been talking the whole time. Well, I mean, I think it's, I don't want to steal, Pat, your answer, but we always talk about the the game is won in the trenches. I mean, it really is. And that's especially true for Utah football. And we've had our struggles. We've had our really good games. So it really is just going to be basically everything you said, Pat, just kind of the reverse. So if we 
if we can protect Cam the whole time, then I think he's going to have a really good game. And then the other way, if we can get to your quarterback, which Utah tends to do, I mean, we're, we're good at that, but it really is those two lines who's going to step up and, and make the big plays and make the big stops too. I mean, I think we had 38 sacks this year. I don't know where that ranks with anybody. I don't know what Penn state got, but we had, Let's see, we had 38 sacks and I think 12 interceptions and 12 fumbled recoveries this year. Um, Recently, we've been able to get to the QB. And with Caleb Williams, we really got to him. Now, was he limited with some injury? Apparently, (laughs) a little bit, but we we helped him with that injury. But we got to him, but we knew how to play him. on. So it's going to matter in that regard, the the pressure. but again, I'll go back. I think I said this earlier, but with like Cam, and we've we, we've said this all along throughout the year, is when he has the ability to run, he does it at, at pertinent times, which makes some big plays. And if he can do that, it's going to be a big factor in this game. I think he has to do it if we're going to win, because I, I feel like there's going to be that pressure on the line, and, and at, at some point he's going to have to make a play with his legs, and he does have the ability. And when he's healthy – he does it. And we missed that for a period of time uh, in, in those games where he was hurt. And to me, anyway, I could tell. So if he's able to do that, that will be a factor in the game. It was big against Ohio State last year. He made yeah, some big Yeah, that was, that was a close game. Going. That was a real close game. Yeah. Um, looking up some of the stats, so you are correct, Gary. Yeah. Uh, 30, way, 38 sacks. Go ahead, Pat. If, uh, if Gary was right on all those stats. And if you want these teams to be any more similar, Penn State – 37 sacks, wow. 12 interceptions, 12 fumble recoveries. Oh no kidding. <laughs> it is. It's crazy. Like, it, it, they're mirror teams. I well, mean, it, it's they got a lot amazing. Of them. It, that is. That's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. funny, Pat. That's exactly what I was looking up. We're on the same exactly. page. We're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, the, the edge does, does go to Utah. You mentioned uh, only let up nine sacks this year. Penn State has let up 18. Um, so, okay. uh, similar in a lot of areas, maybe that's one where, where Utah has the edge. Um, but that, that's very funny. 38 to, to 37 and, and the turnovers being pretty similar. That. Yeah. Um, all right. What else, what else you guys got? I think we, I think we've covered a, a lot of ground here. Brittany, how about I, you? yeah, I want to know kind of moving away from Rose Bowl a little bit. I want to know how Penn state feels about USC and UCLA coming your way. Yeah. Good question. Great. Yeah. <laughs> great question. Wow. I'm really excited um, because it means Penn State's going to be out here uh, yeah. every couple of years. So I'm hugely That's excited. That's true. There uh, you go. And I actually just got a notification that, you know, there was some drama whether the UC regents would approve uh, UCLA that just happened. They approved. Oh, them. nice. Breaking um, news. Did they really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to cost them a bunch of money, I think. But, you know, <laughs> like everything else in California, they're going to get taxed. Um, <laughs> you but, pay up, uh, you can go. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels like in the war of the conferences that sort of opened up between, um, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC, it feels like the Big Ten has taken a lead now because, I mean, Texas was okay this year and Oklahoma was god-awful. Um, USC has bounced back nice with Lincoln Riley and UCLA out of nowhere was very good. Yeah. So it, it looks promising. Yeah, I think personally I'm excited for it. Um 
because one of the biggest gripes in the Big Ten for a lot of fans uh, has been the way that our divisions are set up. Uh, in the Big Ten East, you've got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, all in the East. Uh, Michigan State, not very good this year, but they've had their moments. It's really hard to get to the Big Ten championship game. You have mm-hmm. to beat Ohio State and Michigan every single yeah. year. Doesn't matter. And then on the West, you have an 8-5 and five Purdue team getting in. You have Iowa, Wisconsin, who, you know, have crappy years and they get in. So I'm hopeful that when USC and UCLA join, they'll reevaluate that, re- redo the divisions, get rid of divisions, do something to, to change that. Um, so that I think, I mean, obviously, you know, you love competition. You can, you have a chance every year to get more ranked wins, play good teams. Um, you know, as Pat mentioned, that's kind of one of a knocks this year is, Nobody in the Big Ten was really that good outside of Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, so, you know, those were our two losses. All of the wins that we had, none of those guys ended up ranked. So if we have an opportunity to play some good, you know, Southern California teams and, and you know, have a maybe a different path to a Big Ten championship, I think that that helps us a lot. How do you guys feel about it as Pac-12 people? <laughs> um, uh, we're not I mean- happy about it. Yeah, <laughs> you guys aren't happy about eventually joining the Big Ten. Come on, we do it. That we're yeah, we would do it. Let's go. Like that would be great. Yeah. Like, when you yeah. take the you know the marquee program USC, who you know they've been down, but they're still USC, and this year showed it. And you take them and you send them off, and then UCLA still a big brand, right? They're still UCLA, and then the talk is we'll replace them with you know San Diego State or pull somebody maybe from like the Big Twelve. It just doesn't have the pull, right? And and so, yeah, I, I don't like it personally. Um, I would love to join forces with another conference. There's a lot of talks and that sort of a thing. But you know, from a selfish standpoint, I, I I think it sucks. I hope that uh, I hope that they lose a lot when they're in your guys' conference. Because now <laughs> you know it's they're going to be playing Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State in November when it's snowing sideways and it's you know. 21 degrees. Uh, my only thing is, yeah, I, I was looking at your guys' conference and it almost seems like all the good teams over here and then like maybe one or two. Just get rid of them. We had the Pac-12 this year, they got rid of the, the divisions and it was it was awesome. I mean, the games yeah. came down to the last game. Utah would not have made the conference championship in the old style. It would have been oh, wow. Washington would have gotten in. Um, so it would have been, you know, we we obviously benefited from it. But we talked about on our podcast, like that has been one of the the better changes. Just get rid of them. You have, you guys have the 14 teams. The best two teams will play in the conference championship game. And that's just, that's how it should be, in my opinion. So. Amen. Amen. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. The, the West has never won a Big Ten con- championship. That's wild. Ooh. Really? <laughs> it, it's, on, it's only I, been they like win one? six. I no, thought they won one. It's only been like Damn, six okay. years, but they're zero and six or zero and seven, whatever it it's is. Amazing! Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Brian, Gary, what do you got? What do you guys think uh, about the the USC and UCLA? <laughs> I mean, there's no love lost here with USC, especially. <laughs> um, but I think right now it's just the unknown for us because we don't know where our conference is going to land, and so. Hopefully it'll be a beneficial thing, but right now we're kind of just, we don't know what's going to happen. So losing those two marquee teams, it hurts. And especially as Utah fans, I mean, we're the newbies in the Pac-12. It's only been 11 years that we've been there. Um, So for us to kind of now be in a place where maybe the Pac-12 is not going to be as strong as it was, or 
maybe it's going to be better. Who knows? We just kind of don't know right now. But we were all shocked when the news came out. And I still don't quite understand how the travel is going to work with all of those teams, not just football, but all of the other athletic teams. I mean, (laughs) that is rough to travel cross country and all of I mean, I don't know. So it's interesting. I mean, we're not fans of USC. We just don't love the attitude with them, but Hey, we've beat them down the last three times we've played them, but I don't know. I, hopefully it's going to be a good thing for Utah and for pack 10, 12, whatever it (laughs) ends up being. But until we know what's going to happen, it's just kind of hard to be in the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. I echo. Um, I echo what they say. Essentially. I just, yeah, yeah, I've, it's fun playing them. So uh, I'm going to miss that. That's really what it comes down to. But the, rea- the truth of it is, if we're honest, is that if we were invited, we would have gone. So sure. That's, you know, I think, but I, yeah, we would have gone. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I, yeah. I think Utah would be a great addition. Uh, yeah. I mean, the football team very much on the rise, solid. I mean, the big 10 is a little different in the sec and that they, they care about the academic institution itself. Utah yeah. solid academically. I, I, I think it's a win. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. All right, all right. Give him a, let's give him a call. I'll get Ken um, Warren on the phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give him a call. Pat, Pat's got, got a petition for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Uh, predictions. I, I think. Yeah. I think. I think Ooh. there's nothing left to do but but get some predictions here. So, um, like I mentioned, Utah is a two point favorite. Over under is fifty two. Um. Okay. I won't hold this to you. You know, there's there's a couple of weeks. Maybe there's some more opt-outs. So you're, you're not locked into this forever. But as of today, December 14th, uh, knowing what we know, what is your prediction for the final score of this game? It's 38-31 Utah. Okay. Gary's taking the over by a, by a pretty good <laughs> margin then because that is a pretty low over-under. I mean, that's but they're both seems like very defensive teams. I think it's going to be more like 35, 27 Utah. I think it's some more points, but I think Utah pulls it out. Obviously. I mean, good grief. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of more in like the 32 to 28 ish range for Utah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're all kind of similar. I'm, I'm pretty close to James. Uh, I, shocking. I have Penn state winning it. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, have Penn state I would hope 30. so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got Penn State 34, Utah 28. I think I think it's a close game either way. I think this is one of those ones that probably comes down to, you know, who's got the ball last or, or who has who who makes the most of the last six minutes of the game, something like that. So I got 34-28. Pat, what do you got? Um, I think with a couple of key offensive weapons missing, this could be lower scoring than our fan bases are used to. I'm going Penn State 24, Utah 21. And after what you guys told me, Penn State wins on a missed field goal by Utah. Oh, no. <laughs> I will lose you know, You will hear an explosion in the stadium. It's my head. That, I, I'm telling you, dude, if that, if that transpires. If I, owe you, I owe you guys a drink if that happens. That's right. You, you, I don't drink, but you'll owe me a drink, and I'll take it because, yes. Oh, man. I can see that, it happening. Uh, I, you know what? It sounds like we're going to have a fun game either way. Oh, It'll be good. 
Yeah, so we'll wrap up there. Uh, James, Gary, Bryn, thank you guys so much. Uh, to all the, the Utah Football Fans Podcast listeners, thank you for letting me and Pat uh, come chop it up with you guys. Hopefully uh, hopefully we provided some some information, some entertainment, uh, and, and really, really looking forward to this game, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Good. All right, talk soon. See ya. Bye-bye Good. now.